Hey folks, thanks for tuning in again, or for the first time, to my silly little podcast, A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole, where I ferret through my vinyl collection of about 500 records and my tiny brain of about 500 remaining brain cells and take a lighthearted, positive, fanboys look at my favourite songs and bits of songs and artists that fall within a different, pointless, set theme every episode, and I sometimes highlight some rock and roll bed shits just for some fun. It's really just an attempt to archive some stories, old YouTube interviews, and some great songs for like-minded rock music fans. Choosing from any song part or artist that has given me joy as a listener or a slight Norwegian wood as a musician. It's not a countdown, but I will leave my favourite choice for last. This is just a bit of laid-back, unnecessary fun that hopefully inspires someone to support a musician by buying some music or some merch, or listen to an old favourite album, and check out all this amazing shit that I adore, which has formed the soundtrack of my life. As a lot of people do like to share their opinions these days, please let me know if you think if I have missed anything in my record collection that I know and that I like by sending me an email at thisisnotarealemailaddress at gofeckyegoodself.cockgoblin.com. That's cock spelt with two Ks, and I'll get back to you as soon as I give a shit. But seriously, if you do want to say hi, you can hit me up and follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook a rock and roll rabbit hole podcast or via the website a rock and roll rabbit hole.com that's com spelt with a c the website also has spotify playlist of all of the songs used in each episode past episodes as well and some other golden magic and i also have some small playlists of the great lesser known artists that i like to highlight at the end of each episode on the victims tab of the website Please rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast. If you are digging it, that's super helpful and genuinely appreciated. Thanks again. Apologies in advance, and here goes. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for checking out my shitty little podcast. And this may be the shortest rock and roll rabbit hole podcast ever. It's just going to be a quick catch-up and update of the triple, triple up topic. So this is how it usually happens for me probably more than half the time is I release an episode and within a couple of minutes or a couple of hours I've heard a song or I can recall a great example of the topic that I've just released and they miss out. Or someone hits me up pointing out a glaring omission. And because I've had a bit of downtime being overseas for a couple of weeks I just thought I'd do a part four or a part 3.2 of Triple Up. And it's got a triple crash, a triple laugh, a triple bang, some more yes, a bunch of nows some O's and some rounds. So let's just jump straight back into it. Episode 57, Triple Up Part 4 or 3.2. So the triple crashes and the triple laughs that I mentioned earlier are from a song from the Stone Temple Pilots' third album, which is an album that I love, called Tiny Music, Songs from the Vatican Gift Shop. And it was released in March 1996. And Big Bang Baby was the first single from Tiny Music. Welcome back to the program.
I really love the sound of the album Tiny Music, and here's the band talking about it, including how they got the drum sound on the double-tripled Big Bang Baby. What's interesting, if you look at Scott, you know, his physical appearance from core to Tiny Music, Mm -hmm. I mean, it really looks like two different people. Came in going back to core, he originally came in with the the riff to Dead and Bloated. Um, Verbally. Yeah, yeah. He, He didn't really know how to play an instrument, but he would definitely get it across vocally. He did pick up a guitar for Tumble in the Rough, and... He drove us crazy. <laughs> he drove us crazy with. If there was a guitar here. We could show you why. Yeah. He drove us crazy with that because every time we were around him, he played two chords and he'd go, da 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 da. Man, I got this idea. This shit And he would do that over and over, and it was like that's. All right, we'll do it. We'll talk. (laughs) Yeah, you know, so, you know, we just musically made a song out of that, but that's what he had. He had... (laughs) You know, and, and, you know, but you got to look at that energy that he had doing that. And there was a raw, like, I'm just learning to play guitar kind of energy. And there's so many aspects that, that... that Scott didn't know about musically, which made that interesting. You know, if, if he was a guy who knew as much as we did musically, it would have been a different band. But he, he came from a different place. And, and to be able to sit there and play two bar chords and go, yeah, check this out, it was like... With, with, with sheer conviction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's where the beginning of that song came from. We really thought we'd get back to basics and really get back into our blues background, so we rented a 60,000-square-foot house on 100 acres yeah. <laughs> in the San Inez Valley. We yeah. really wanted to get back to It was to all that. about yeah. cred, man, yeah. all about cred. It was something we always wanted to do. We always looked back at you know, records like Goodbye Yellow Brick Road that were made in a, in a house, and all these you know, people that made records in houses. I think at that point trying to keep the attention in a studio and having to show up to a studio was kind of a a challenge. And, um, you know, we knew we would all be there and record. Um, The foyer of that house was almost as big as a gymnasium. It was like a, a high school gymnasium. And we utilized each room and the sound of each room. Yeah. On that record. Or no room, because Eric mm-hmm. went out. Eric had this little thing about um, where he could record in the house, <laughs> drums. So he recorded. What has not been done before, yeah. you know? What's the challenge here? So he recorded out on the lawn. So um, Big Bang Baby uh, was recorded on the lawn. Because yeah. contrary to what I thought, you go out to the lawn, there's no, re- there's no reflections coming back, so there's yeah. no reverb. It's just dry, open grass area. So we set up out there, and I know the sprinklers were coming on. That's right. Within an hour or so, yeah. we had to make it quick. Um, I don't know why we couldn't have just turned off the sprinklers, but... <laughs> I know, we didn't know how to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then you were like, all right, Lady Picture Show. Okay, let's record the drums up on the top floor in the attic in a cedar-lined cedar. closet. Yeah. It was like... Uh, it was like, good in theory honest. until I got up there and started sweating. Yeah, it, was it was probably about 110 degrees, and that was a tough one. 
So from Big Bang Baby to a triple bang mentioning song from one of my favourite songs from one of my favourite band's best albums. And here's a 2004 live TV version of the first verse triple bang banger from Kings of Leon, The Bucket. Child of Mine came up when uh, Guns N' Roses was sitting in a house. The house was basically totaled. I don't know how long we'd been living there, but it was basically a shell, you know. And one afternoon, uh, Izzy and I basically were the only ones that lived there at this point. And uh, Duff had come over to visit and Axel had come by. And uh, uh, Izzy and Duff and I were sitting downstairs. And I was just playing my guitar and Izzy had his guitar and it was in the middle of the afternoon and um, where the riff came from I don't really remember but I started playing this pattern and I mean it was one of those things that I was in the process of discovering as I came up with each note and sort of turned it into something that kept rotating you know and then it's, along the way Izzy started playing the chords that went along with it behind it. I guess Axel had overheard us playing it. He was upstairs, and uh, unbeknownst to us, he'd started writing lyrics. And uh, a couple days later, I guess it was, we were at rehearsal and doing sort of pre-production or whatever, and uh, Axel goes, play that song you guys were playing the other day. And I was like, what song? What are you talking about? Anyway, so it turns out that, you know, that thing that you guys were doing downstairs. So that's really where it came from, and the song, more or less wrote it. All Guns N' Roses songs write themselves. There's no formula, there's, yeah. there's no pattern, there's no, uh, you know, sort of like style. Anyway, so this was one of those things where it starts with the riff, Izzy's got the chords, Duff just makes up some melody lines and stuff. And then Axel started singing it. And it really, the, the entire song sort of came together that evening. And then uh, the sort of dramatic solo section just I think that was, you know, because the song to me was so, I always complain about it because it was so up-tempo, sure. ballady kind of thing. Really rubbed me the wrong way. Even though I made up the riff, I didn't know it was going to turn into it. And so I came in with the chord changes for the actual solo part, which for me was the only redeeming part of the song. Yeah. And... Uh, Right after that, we went into the studio and uh, we went in and recorded uh, all the material that's the live bit that's on the Lies record. Uh, we also recorded some demos for Sweet Child of Mine and Jungle and whatever. And in that demo process, um, we got to the section where it says, where do we go now and all that. Yeah. And I, I remember we had the breakdown and then uh, Spencer had mentioned to Axel, oh no, Axel's like, where do we go? And that's how we turned it into. Uh, I really, the riff was like, the, the riff in the middle section were my main things. Um, yeah. The actual chorus part, the dun, dun, that was 
I probably Izzy. Um, you know, any of those three chord, simple three chord things, you know, yeah. is usually an Izzy thing. That's really the only two parts of the song before the solo section comes together. But we have sort of a synergy of each person sort of having an idea or an input that just to fill that gap when the other guy goes, uh, you yeah. know. And it just sort of comes together. And we're sort of like, in those days anyway, we were very easy. I don't remember spinning ever more than one day writing a song in those days, you know. Axel might have spent some time with the lyrics, but as far as the actual arrangement of the song, it wasn't finished by the end of the night. All right, let's move on. So let's have a quick listen to the demo that Slash was talking about, including the seven nows. music shop and buy a guitar. That's where you should go. Sweet Child of Mine was the third single from the 30 million plus selling Appetite for Destruction and it was the band's only number one US single. And we heard the seven nails in the outro and it also obviously rocks some triple O's in the chorus. 
for anyone listening with Scottish heritage, it also rocks eight eyes. So I in Scottish means yeah, and here's a bunch of years I missed. Me, me, episode within it, me, episode. So in the triple up episode, I actually found five Beatles songs that had three or more years in it in a row. But since releasing the episode, I've actually found four more. In the outro of While My Guitar Gently Weeps, George Harrison drops a bunch of O's and then nine years. Yeah, I heard it on the car radio the other day. I just think, wow, you know, it is. I could see why people would think it was the precursor of heavy metal. How it came about was I had read in a, a music paper that The Who had, had done a really heavy track and um, Pete Townsend of The Who was quoted saying, it, this is the, we've just made the dirtiest, loudest, filthiest song ever. So I was kind of jealous. I didn't hear their song. I still don't know what song he was referring to. But I went in the studio and said, guys, we've got to do a song that's dirtier and filthier and louder than The Who. Yeah, the thing about the Beatles stuff was that um, when I look back on the, our, what we produced, there's no two songs that are alike. Whereas, you know, a lot of record artists will find a great formula and they, the next three singles are kind of the same song, you know. Um, but we just, we were young guys and we would have got bored doing that. And the, the, the worst thing ever, seeing as we we're allowed in the studio, allowed to play guitars and things, the worst thing ever would have been just to sit around bored. So we, we, we always changed whatever we were about to do and did something different. So I had this Helter Skelter thing, and we did that, and uh, yeah, it is pretty raw. You know, it's pretty screamy. It was good to do. We did a lot of takes on it, so it was hard on Ringo. You know, on one of the, on one of the takes, you can hear him right at the end, he says, I got blisters on my fingers. Do you, 
Mother Nature's son also drops three years in a row. This is the last from the Beatles. Dear Prudence has 12 rounds. In While My Guitar Gently Weeps and Sweet Child of Mine, we heard some O's and one of my favourite bands, Dalamitri, also do some outro O's in Always the Last to Know or The Last to O. And there's a shitload of no's for you too. Delametria actually touring Australia in February this year, 2023. And I got front row seats to see them in Melbourne and also in Brisbane. And that was meant to be the end of this episode, but then it happened again. And as I was handwriting this last week, I wrote... I just went for a wander around a street market in Bangkok and there was a sick vintage record and t-shirt shop at the night market called The Train Market and it was blasting this glaringly obvious classic triple number adding up to 18 Nugget, Iron Maiden's Number of the Beast. beast. 
know when astrologers talk about a planetary lineup, this conjunction only happens once in a blue moon sort of thing. What you have in Number of the Beast is is the sort of the musical equivalent. We thought it was a good album, you know, strong album, but that's about it. You don't think, you, you know, you don't sort of walk out of the studio and think, wow, we've just made history. You don't think like that. The time was right, you know, in 1982, things were just perfect. Beast wasn't really a concept, it was just an actual song that I wrote. Uh, that title, we decided to call it that. It was like we were ripe, we were ready for Number of the Beast. It's, it was different, it was unique from anything else that really was around, you know. So I think that's what one of the things that created this site, this spark. I wanted a, a certain atmosphere to be set up on those four lines. We spent, uh, oh, about four hours on the first four lines, to the extent that I got so pissed off, I was throwing chairs across the room. And in the end, I was like, what do you want? Ah, you know? And when he got the one that he wanted, he was like, yeah, that's it. And I, looked, and I just sort of went, why? <laughs> why? I don't understand. And now I understand a little bit better. <laughs> I think that, that, that came at the end of four hours of going, I left alone, my mind was blank. <laughs> and then, I said, by the way, can you do the scream? I was like, oh, willingly, you know. <laughs> it's probably not needed on such a short episode, but just in case you weren't paying attention, here's the world's quickest recapping the magic. So anyway, let's end it there because this could go on forever. Thank you again so much for listening. And I've just gotten back from a couple of weeks overseas, a fully written and researched six episodes, ready to record and arrange, and I've got another three or four on the go. And as always, there'll be some absolutely riveting topics, and I'm going to try a few different episode ideas along the way too. So I will definitely be dropping some more episodes in 2023. It might not be weekly. I'll be definitely doing more than last year. I might even drop one tomorrow. 
And I'd really love to build the listening numbers of the podcast. So please rate the pod if you dig it. And more importantly, please recommend it to a friend if you know anyone that may be into what we discuss over here. I do love putting these songs and stories into a spot where they can easily be digested in this ever-diminishing rock world. Please follow my band on Instagram, Pretty Follies Band, and we'll have some new songs out in the first half of 2023 and a couple of gig announcements soon. And I really hope some of you guys will dig what we're doing as we're putting our heart and soul and nuts into it. And you can follow the podcast on Instagram, A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole, where you can just say hi and I'll definitely reply. And you can check out the website, arockandrollrabbithole.com, for all the past episodes and Spotify playlist of each song featured in every episode. And please share, share, share the podcast with a friend if you're digging it. And I'll definitely be thrusting some extra magic in your ears very soon. And thank you so much again. See ya. What the fuck was that?